Welcome to the Atlanta Sports Party, your home for the best Atlanta sports talk. It's local insight. You can't get anywhere but right here at Locked On. I'm your host, Shanitra Batiste. Alongside me are Jarvis Davis and Maria Martin. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. The Atlanta Sports Party is also part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Coming up later, we'll deep dive about a potential sweep, and we'll take you around the Metro to see if your decorations or anything else about this holiday season is naughty or nice. But let's get the party started first with our top takes. So it's a brave type of week. Winter meetings are upon us. Maria, I know that you have been in Nashville covering the meetings throughout this week. And of course, there's been a lot of conversation about what has gone on, what hasn't gone on, what Alex Anthopoulos has done, what he hasn't done, so on and so forth. But you think about it this way. Is it really all just on Alex Anthopoulos and what he does this week to determine if the Braves are going to go back to the World Series or... Is this more than just about the moves that Alex Anthopoulos makes during winter meetings and even during the offseason? And really, there's some culpability with this roster, as at least as it's currently constructed, as well as Brian Snicker's coaching staff. Yeah, look, I think that's that's a loaded question because we're still in the early phases of trying to figure out what the Braves could be and what they could do. I mean, at least there's so many of the core guys that are locked up on long-term deals. I think that helps the Braves a whole lot. But Alex Anthopoulos said throughout the week, there is still moves to be made and there will be moves that continue to be made by Alex Anthopoulos and his crew. And there's three different coaching staff positions open and not filled right now for the Braves. So um, they are trying to fill very large holes around Washington being one of those. Got to talk to him a couple times this this week um, as the manager for the second time in his career. It was great to see him, of course. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there's so many question marks for the Braves, but not so many that I'm worried about this team. They're going to go back to the postseason. They are going to be a good baseball team. We know that. But we do know that they need help. Two early postseason exits, it's not going to fly, especially when you have the regular season that you do. And actually, when I asked um, Brian Snicker about it, I said, you've had some time to step back and think about it. What went wrong? Kind of pinpoint it. And he mentioned the break, but they, he also mentioned he wants to be in the same position, which would mean winning the, winning the division, which would give you those days off. So they do have to figure out how to overcome that and how to keep those guys playing baseball. It's hard to play an entire season and then just have so many days off, five days down of not playing game. That's really, really hard. Um, but they do need a starting pitcher. It is very obvious and clear. And I think that in some of the moves that he made this week may not seem super significant to Braves fans, but what it's telling me is there is more to come. And specifically, I do think it's going to be within that starting rotation. They do need an arm. That's been the last two years that they've exited the postseason early. You've looked at the starting rotation and said, hey, they need help. Um, and there's also still moves to be made when it comes to the bullpen. They're not totally solidified there either. So I do think it's a culmination of a lot of different things. I think it's way too early. And even if he doesn't do anything this week, the winner is young. We have some time. So there could be something else happening this week. I hope so. But I think that Shohei Otani's lack of a decision has really just kind of held everything up. And I think that once that happens, floodgates open and more movement will happen in baseball. Yeah, and I think it's one of those things which a couple of great points there. First of all, Alex Anthopoulos has been more of 
at least when we look back at the moves that were made on that World Series run, those moves were made at the trade deadline. So that gives a lot of credence to, yeah, there's more than enough opportunity there. Now, I do think that there may be just a slight bit more sense of urgency to make maybe at least one move ahead of that, just so that there is, sometimes it's even just a show and prove, and sometimes it's availability as well. You don't want to wait until the trade deadline and then maybe all of those uh, potential trades that you went after have kind of like are not available. But when you find out that, hey, there were serious conversations about bringing Aaron Nola here, or you find out that the Braves have been in the mix in other spaces, then it makes you more confident that, yeah, some of those smaller moves that have been made, or maybe some moves that are not made, like, hey, thanks for your work and thanks for your services, Michael Tonkin. We'll let you move on. It tells you that, hey, there's still some things that are turning. But Jarvis, I think Maria makes a great point. There's also culpability when it comes to the coaching staff, because now you've got um, Eric Young Sr. gone, you've got Ron Washington gone, and you, so and you have three key p- components on that staff that have been a part of those runs the last couple of years, whether it was the run to the World Series or whether it's just the run to yet another uh, divisional pennant. Ultimately speaking, some of the culpability is there as well for you to put the right pieces in place that keep the train on the track. And then finally, at the end of the day, Alex Anthopoulos can't go to, for he can't go to, to the plate. He doesn't have it at bat. You know, Brian Snicker, he can't go yeah. to the pitcher's mound and toss a ball. So ultimately speaking, yes, yeah, some of it starts, may start with double A, but it doesn't end there. Yeah. I think that's, I think you put hit the nail on the head because when you think about like, like who's culpable in, in all of this, like uh, obviously, uh, Alex Anthopoulos as the you know team president of this team and, and general manager being able to make these deci- these personnel decisions. Yeah, of course it's on him. Yeah, I think he's that's part of it. But I think a lot another part of it, which I feel like is a bigger part of it, like these guys got to perform when you get into when you get into the dance. Like it, it can't everybody can't struggle. <laughs> you know, like somebody has to you know pick up the slack when when it comes to. And I know. You know, the whole starting pitching piece, that is huge. Don't get me wrong. Because it obviously has to be somebody good enough to shut down the basically the entire lineup for a, a, for a series. But I, there has to be someone or a, a couple of guys to say, you know what, I understand what we're going up against, you know, in these in these first two games against their one and ace and their, and their second guy in the rotation. We have to figure out a way to get on base. We have to figure out a way to manufacture runs if we can't go for for the be big boppers and, and get the two or three run home runs. I understand that. So there has to be a way to work through that. So I think there's part of it is Alex Anthopoulos is charged with being ha, being able to have a a, a a guy in that starting rotation that you can count on that he's going to be there. He can get through the entire regular season and be. Um, not only get to the, get you to the uh, um, through the regular season, then get into the postseason, and then be effective as well. So, and that just hasn't been the case, whatever the case may be, when it comes to injuries or what have you. So, I, I think there there's some culpability with with Alex Anthopoulos, and I think it's on some of the, the players as well. Now, the guys, as far as replacing the managers, yeah, I mean, yeah, the, like you're not gonna make an argument for you know as far as the effect that they have on and I Lord knows Uncle Ron had a big effect on these guys and he would be sorely missed. But I feel like I think Ron made a Uncle Ron made a, a great point. He's like I've instilled enough in those guys and they know how to win. So all the things that they were taught, they can take it with them and don't let anybody come in and mess that up. So I think right now, 
you know, where the Braves are. Like, we're in a, a season where you can get better uh, on paper, and, and they need to go ahead and do that. But, like, the players have to be able to perform when it's time to perform. I think a couple things there, too. When you mention the importance for starting pitching, I think it shows – so clearly in the fact that the Phillies were able to completely silence the Braves bats. That tells you yes. everything you need to know. And yes. that starting pitching is so critical in the postseason. And then not just last year, the year before that was when we saw yes. a lot of the injuries that were really key for the Braves in that starting rotation. That's stuff that you can't predict. Even if you're Alex Anthopoulos, you can't say, hey, Max Reed's going to have a flu game in the opening round of the postseason. You can't say Spencer Strider is not going to be his full self. I'm talking about two years ago in their mm-hmm. first early postseason exit. So, yeah, I you make a really good point, Jarvis. Ron said that several times. This whole team is now wired and operated to basically sustain themselves. They're good enough to win baseball without one single person, which is fantastic. And we're going to be talking about, again, the Braves getting into the postseason. But I think even though it doesn't feel like fireworks have gone off and Braves fans want more to happen this week, I think it's been really significant to get left field shirt up. Jared Kelnick is apparently going to fight out there for Vaughn. I just don't see that really playing out. I think it's Jared Kelnick's job. Um, But having somebody who was coming off his best start this past season before he kicked the cooler and hurt his ankle or hurt his foot. I think he's got tremendous upside. Um, His strikeout rate is obviously something that needs to be approved. But the good thing is something about hitters in Atlanta, they get better here. They just get better here. And so I think that this is a great move for them and a quiet one at that. And I think that more is coming and surprises. If we we've all talked about this many times, right? Alex Anthopoulos always has surprises around the corner. And I think there's going to be one coming. I just, I'm not quite sure where it is. It's, it's going to be someone we don't expect. And no, I don't think it's Shohei Otani. Yeah, I would agree with you as well. And I was fine with him shutting that down and kind of putting that to bed. But also, I think you make some great points. We've seen player after player come here. Last year was a great example. You started the season with the issues of, you know, head scratchers, like why so many strikeouts? And then as the season kind of wore on, that was less and less of a conversation at the, at the play for Brave. So I could see the same thing happening for Kelnick. And the other piece is this, you bring in a Kelnick and sometimes that kind of gets the juices flowing for competition. And if you can get that to light some fire under Vaughn Grissom, maybe you don't so much keep him as you are getting him to become a potential piece for you in some trade options later on in the season. We'll talk definitely be continuing to look at what's going on at winter meetings and kind of seeing what moves the Braves are going to make this off season. But when we come back, We're going to actually switch gears and talk a little Falcons because, hey, the Falcons have some things that maybe all the pieces of the puzzle need to come together to potentially do something that would be historic for one Arthur Smith. We'll talk about that when we come back. But if you want a little cash, extra cash before the holidays, let me first tell you about how to do it with Fandle. So guys, right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. And you know how you do that? You do that with FanDuel. Now, the weather's getting pretty cold. I think it was like 29 degrees when I woke up this morning and it's not much warmer, by the way, right now. It's a perfect time for you to be sitting at home, chilling out and finding out more about FanDuel because, hey, if your team wins, then that's $150 in your pocket right now for the holidays been thinking about joining FanDuel, no better time to get in on the action. It's an app that's pretty easy to use. It's user-friendly. And like I said, you got time inside. You can figure it out. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, 
over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. Who knows? You might want to do some over-unders about this Falcons Bucks game. Bijan Robinson will be back full throttle. What does that look like for him, especially in looking at how good he has been across the time from week seven to the first matchup to this current showdown that's coming in week 13. So again, it's FanDuel, official partner of the NFL, and that's week 14 for you guys out there. FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. I'm going to tell you one more time because I don't want you guys to forget about the official partner of the NFL. It's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn is where you go so that you can get in on the action. All right, guys, the Falcons have an opportunity to do something that it is so weird to think we're having this conversation in Arthur Smith's third year that he's not won three games in a row since being at the helm for the Falcons. But that opportunity is upon him this coming weekend against the Bucs in a game that couldn't be more critical, not just for adding to his resume, so to speak, but also adding to the resume of the Falcons for their playoff hopes. So if the Falcons are able to do this, get this win, get this sweep of this series for the season, Travis, what do they need to do at the Benz this Sunday? Oh, it has to be running the football. And, you know, the, in the first matchup, you know, we mysteriously we were out without, you know, um, Bajan Robinson, you know, dealing with the headaches and all that stuff. And, you know, that the NFL ended up investigating that and still haven't heard nothing about it since. So I'm sure that the Falcons are okay in that, in that category. So, but I, I think this is an opportunity for the offense to kind of carry it on, carry its own weight, right? Because we know that the defense has been pretty lights out for the past couple of games, you know, coming out of the bye. So nine quarters without giving up, giving a touch, giving up a touchdown, that is pretty doggone big in NFL. I don't care who you playing. That people try to minimize, you know, some of that stuff. Like, oh, look at the, who they were playing, the quarterbacks. I don't care. This is the NFL. There's talent everywhere. People can be beat. Hey, the New York Jets beat the dog on Philadelphia Eagles. So there we go. <laughs> that kind of tells you where, where where this league is. So I um I I really appreciate what the defense has been doing. So I think Arthur Smith has to be able to, you know, establish himself offensively, get that running game going, and then hey, be able to take some shots downfield because I think that the explosiveness in the passing game is what this offense has been missing. And because teams are just loading the box and they aren't afraid of anybody that you have on outside to beat them over the top. So uh, I think that this is a game that I feel to, in order to, you know, really put your stamp on this division saying, hey, we starting off today by sweeping the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And that's the first step in, you know, moving towards being the NFC South champion. Yeah, and Maria, I think that it's something that's very, very doable because, yeah, you did see maybe an uncharacteristic 34 carries, 90 yards, where you're expecting when you're going against a team like the Jets, who are technically ranked 31st against the run, deep, the, uh, run in the league. But you also dig deeper into the numbers, and you could also get a lot of carries uh, or yards per carry, actually. But here's the thing. In the first half, yeah, you saw what looked like a sludge fest, which it was up in Jersey because of the weather, right? And so I think Bajan Robinson was maybe around like 2.6 yards per carry. But in that second half, the numbers actually increased to almost five yards per carry. And that 18 carries for 53 yards is a little bit more respectable. But I'd like to go back to the game four because I think that's where we saw the three-headed monster return to form. And I'd like to think that, yeah, even though, the, the Bucks do have a more stout 
run defense that the Falcons have been putting this together, right? They've started to kind of put together and reset their run deep run offense and really allow that to kind of set the stage. So do you think that this is an opportunity for them to be more like the Falcons that we saw two weeks ago in the ground or the Falcons that we saw just a few days ago? Yeah, I mean, of course, especially because at this point in the season, everybody is banged up, obviously. But I think for both of these teams, there's key injuries that each of them can take advantage of. And for the Falcons, they can clearly take advantage of the run game, given the fact that Tampa Bay is super banged up defensively. And so are the Falcons. The Falcons are banged up the most they have been all year. I mean, they've been very lucky in that they haven't had a whole lot of key injuries. So they are dealing with new territory this Sunday. But to echo Jarvis a little bit, I think that this is such a great opportunity to be at home at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. I have a good feeling that the fans will show up. I've been very impressed with their attendance this year. Um, They've been very excited about the Falcons and, and for good reason. You get three wins in a row and you sweep the Buccaneers, that is, hello, we're going to host a playoff game. That's what she starts talking about, that it's starting to come to fruition, that this team really could do that. I mean, we were literally talking about it right by my desk right before I walked over here, that this is Mm -hmm. becoming a reality for the Falcons. And, yeah, Mm -hmm. I think the the defense for the Falcons – um, you know, it's it's hard to take away what happened in New Jersey because of the weather, like you talked about. It was just disgusting football all the way around. Um, and we knew it was going to be like that, right? But the defense has done more than enough that they've needed to do over the last couple of weeks. I want the offense to be better. And what a fabulous opportunity to do that this Sunday. Um, give Bashan Robinson the football. I say yeah. it every week, but seriously, let him run. Let him do anything and everything that you want him to do. And I like that Desmond is starting to get more and more confident. He's not yes. as afraid to throw things that he probably wouldn't have earlier in the season so why don't we extend those plays take some deep shots take advantage explosive plays like Jarvis said or what the Falcons have been missing on offense Mm -hmm. do it against the Bucs who have kind of lost their identity they are the same more or less football team that we saw whenever they played each other earlier in the year the Falcons can clean up those mistakes that they did the first time around against the Bucs y'all know the red zone defense was just Oh, it was a mess. Everything in the red zone was bad. So clean up all the mistakes. Give me some explosive plays and make a statement. Do what we all think the Falcons are capable or at least I think they're capable of in winning their third straight and making a statement at home. I would agree with you on that one, because I think, too, this is a team that had three turnovers against the Buccaneers. Right. And yet Mm -hmm. somehow, some way you eked out a win. I do feel like, Jarvis, the Falcons have started to develop a stronger, more reliable identity on offense than that team that the Fal- that the Bucks played in week seven. And still, and yet and still, that team did have three explosive plays on offense. So they, they still had three explosive pass plays. That's a team where Desmond Ritter was still trying to kind of figure out his way outside of Drake London, oh, yeah. obviously. And those, neither of those, or none, I guess I should say, because it's three plays, none of those were with to Drake London. So I think right. that should be very, very encouraging for what could happen on Sunday. And again, that's a defense that wasn't as leaky, it wasn't as banged up at week seven for the Bucks. Now it yeah. is. And that was also an offense that even in the absence of Bajan Ritter, that's when we started to say, oh, okay, CP, CP's back. Oh, okay. You've got the bowling ball in Tyler Algier, who's ready to do whatever he's tasked to do. So I think this is kind of that prime time, like Maria was saying, for all of this, you know, all of the ducks to be kind of in a row and for everything to really show that it's operating on all cylinders and all phases of the game. And I'll get to the uh, defense because that's where a lot of those kind of concerns are in a minute. But Jarvis, I still want to say before we go on to the defense that I think this offense might be primed for maybe showing how they can 
give you a complete look at who they can be. And some of the, and the thing that I kind of noticed, you know, when just kind of looking at the game and, and kind of digging a little deeper into it, when you like you look at, you know, that outside, that wide receiver on the outside, right? Like I think that, you know, the return of uh Mac Hollins, he was a full participant in mm-hmm. practice. So that's encouraging for me because I feel like he can he's not necessarily a guy that's gonna take the top off of defense, but he is a guy that can make a play for you because you know I I feel like the, the the biggest advantage that that the Falcons have is when Kyle Pitts is lined up on the inside when he's lined up in the slot because I feel like it's a better matchup for him because I think everybody can agree on this show that's living and breathing and looking you know shaking their head right now that hey Kyle Pitts isn't one hundred percent like I I will stand on the table and and pound the table and say that that he's not fully healthy because he just doesn't look like that when he's out there running routes and everything. So I think that moving him, conditioning him down inside, bringing being able to bring a guy in Mac Holland that you can line up outside and it can be a, a a real threat for you to make make plays for you. Um, another guy that can make a contested catch, you know, with along with Drake London. I feel like this is. This is Bruins. Uh, I think you're brewing something right now to be able to, hey, take advantage of that leaky defense uh, like like you talked about. So, Maria, this is a different type of weekend because we've not seen the Falcons in infirmary mode this entire season pretty much, especially on defense. But David Onyemata and Jeff Okuda both dealing with ankle issues. It's one thing when you have one starter down, A.J. Terrell potentially, but when it's Terrell and Okuda in the secondary, that could be a concern. Same thing with the front. If you've got Grady, of course, out for the season, that's one thing. On Yamada and Grady, we've seen what that looks like. That could be a bit of a challenge, but do you feel like that puts more pressure on the rest of these this defense to have to carry this team? Should one or two of those members of that secondary aren't available, or should Onyemata not be available for the front? Yeah, I mean, for sure, it certainly puts pressure on most guys because those are some of the names that we've heard all season long. And Onyemata's just been terrific in Grady Jarrett's absence. And yeah. I remember the first game after sure. Onyemata was in there, after Grady was out, I talked to Calais Campbell about it. And he said that he has just been so impressed. And it's not like it's something that's new for David Onyemata. This is not like, oh, he's stepping up for the first time in his career. We know how good he has been. But just what he's been able to do is give you a reliable piece that you don't even have to think twice about with Grady being out which the Falcons have never had that before so it's very nice to have him there it'll be very unfortunate if they're without him but against the Jets I was so surprised and so excited about Bud Dupree had a very sneaky good game against the Jets in New Jersey Um, we talked about it on Sports Extra I thought that he brought different things to the pass rush that we haven't seen from the Falcons as well as Arnold Abiketti. He's also stepped up in the pass rush. And that's also something that's been missing for this defense. We're like, where's the pass rush? Where is it? Get after the quarterback. There's a couple of guys and names that we don't talk about enough that I think are just there and they're just breaking through. The Bucks are a great opportunity to do that. And let's not forget the red zone defense that the Falcons were able to do against the Saints two weeks ago. Give me some of that. Give me some more pass rush. And yeah, of course, you're wickedly thin in the secondary for the Falcons right now, but nothing that's overly concerning to me, given the fact that they're playing the Bucks. Indeed. And I think too, Jarvis, that when you start talking about, I'm going to use Maria's term, talking about guys that we should be talking about, but we haven't. And Arnold WKT, when AK comes into that conversation, that's a good thing because we've talked about how that linebacker core isn't exactly the strength of this defense, but mm-hmm. if collectively they can add to the defensive front or even going back to a guy in his first week with the Falcons showed up Contavia street, but we didn't quite see maybe that in him last week. And finally drivers, when you 
like to talk about when he actually shows up, and that's Lorenzo Carter. If we're having conversations about those guys, then maybe that pressure is mitigated a bit if you should not or if you should have to go without a David Onyemata. Yeah, because, you know, we know what David Onyemata brings as far as being a disruptor in the, in the middle of that defense. Like, all you're missing are guys that coming off the edge, right? Like yeah. Maria mentioned, that Bud Dupree, I think he had more than just a, you know, a, he he made a statement. Like, he yeah. he was out there, you know, balling. You're talking about two sacks and then there's a TFL where he yeah. was just ragdolling that tight end. I just love seeing stuff like that. I want to see more of it. Like, come on, Bud, I need to see more of that. And then with Arnold Ebicati, man, asking for him to kind of, Hey, let's give him some more opportunities to rush the quarterback. And when you see on third long, I see 17 hopping out there. I was like, okay, Ryan Nielsen, I see what you're doing. And that, those are the type of things that you want to see. And you love to see the adjustments, the development, right, of these players because that's what's been missing from this Falcons as an organization for, like, what, the past decade or so? Especially when it comes to pass rushers. You know, guys got to come ready-made or – they just just fall off the map. So you're seeing the development, and, and especially when you got like guys like Grady Jerry. Actually, even though he's not out there, he still he recognizes like, okay, I see what what Arnold Abkade is doing. I see what AK is doing, and he's really starting to find his way. So yeah, if they if we're talking about those guys after this game at four o'clock on Sunday at Mercedes Benz, like like we, we might be talking about a, a, a dub for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. AK with five and a half sacks on the season, leading the team also with uh, two forced fumbles. And this is the prime time for these guys to show up and show out because it will be a celebration of that 98 team that showed up and showed out all the way to the Super Bowl. When we come back, we're going to go around the Metro and find out if Maria and Jarvis will be down with seeing some behind the scenes action. But first, Jarvis will give you some intel on subtext. Listen up, guys. Jarvis Davis here for Locked On Sports Atlanta. Hey, if you got something really cool, you know that that you try that we're, we're starting over here at Locked On Sports Atlanta. It's called Subtext. What is Subtext, Jarvis? Hey, it's a, essentially where you can get updates sent straight to your phone, whether it be breaking news or all twenty-two review, or if it's just something I've been thinking about. I threw something out there today. Hey, give me your random Falcons players. And you guys responded like crazy. I absolutely love that. So if you want to be a part of that, you can do a two-week trial. It's only $4.99 a month. After the two-week trial, if you like it, you can stick around. $4.99 a month. So go to joinsubtest.com slash locked on sports Atlanta. Joinsubtest.com slash locked on sports Atlanta to become a, a, a locked on sports Atlanta insider, excuse me, today. All right, guys, this may or may not take us around the metro. It'll be interesting to see what you have to say about the possibility of going behind the scenes. So we heard about Notre Dame and NBC's Peacock streaming service that are planning to produce a season-long documentary on the Irish football program. Uh, the Irish's AD Jack Swarbrick confirmed Wednesday that it is indeed a thing. The series is going to be similar to Hard Knocks. It'll debut in 2024, so it got me to thinking what team, Jarvis, if they decided to go, would you watch? I mean, if, and you know this is a big if, but if Georgia decided, for example, to do something like a college football version of Hard Knocks, would you be interested? And if not, which college football team would you like to get a behind-the-scenes look at? That's a really good question because here's the thing. Like, only reason why Hard Knocks was, was successful, I mean, I think it's kind of fallen off the past couple of years. Like, it's kind of lost some of its luster. Was the fact the personalities, right? I remember when Hart, um, the Jets were on um, Hard Knocks when Rex Ryan was the head coach. Obviously, I was locked in because he's just a big personality. Now, 
And, and then, in, but, but when it comes to college football, now they used to have the big personalities like, "Give me a Steve Spurrier hard knocks." I'm all in. Like in yeah. those days, and even Lou Holtz, like his honorary self, like I would love to see like behind the scenes how he is and how he deals with his players. But you know, Kirby Smart, you know, he's a kind of a mostly, you know. Kind of straightforward guy. You're not gonna, yeah. You kind of straight up. You're not gonna really give you anything. You know, I mean the the cussing. You know, am I be able to see all the cussing? Like I love seeing coach oh, cussing. Yeah. yeah. Like <laughs> halftime. Yes. All those leaked halftime speeches. I guess I'm kind of talking myself into it because you know, like the personality piece. You know, he might be a little bit straight, but if I can see him interacting with players like real time. I would love to see that type of stuff because, you know, kind of bring back memories. Like, oh, man, I remember I used to get cussed out like that. Yeah, that's kind of cool. (laughs) (laughs) Perea, is there a team that you would be assuming that we couldn't get the real uh, what the dogs program looks like behind the scenes? Any team where you'd be intrigued to see what goes on in their day to day? Now, I'm going to give Kirby some credit real quick, okay? I'm going to give him just a smidge of credit because they do put out some videos, Jarvis, where he's saying, like, you know that video that they just put out this week and it was, like, Kirby saying, I'll do anything for you guys for the rest of my life. Like, I thought that was great. And it showed, yeah, yeah. you know, when he's a player's coach. Um, yeah. He's not as, like, entertaining, I guess, as some of the other coaches that you're talking about. So I totally yeah. understand it from that aspect. And not to make Georgia fans mad, but, like, I'm always interested to see what Nick Saban is doing. Um, and I think that now the older that he gets – the more funny is. And so I think that this is a really good opportunity to see a softer side of Nick Saban, believe it or not. Um, I covered him for four seasons and I didn't get the soft Saban. <laughs> so I think seeing him be like a grandfather now and like he's a lot more fun and he like jokes around with people. I, I just, while he's on his way out of college football, let's face it, he's not going to be in here for the next decade. I just think it's important to show one of the greatest coaches of all time and Kirby will also have that you know um and he's already there but I'm saying later in his career as he's on his way out so yeah I would love to see you know coach Saban's evolved with college football and how much it's changed and gosh if he wins a national championship this year it will be his greatest greatest accomplishment yet this is probably the worst team he's had since he's been the head coach at Alabama or one of the worst um and it's still not a bad team which is just insane to say so yeah, I I don't know. I think I think Saban in Alabama, if not Lane Kiffin, because he's a character, and I went to Ole Miss. So. Oh God, yeah. And that's the one I thought you'd pick. I was like, she's not gonna pick Ole Miss. What? I know. I wanted to be different. <laughs> Tarmac Lane, man. Let let me give me Tarmac Lane. I'm good. Yeah, I I love to see that. <laughs> I think this is a Nick Saban that you could actually sit hmm. on the front porch with. And you could have some conversation with Miss Terry and with Coach Nick that you wouldn't have been able to have five, 10 or 15 years ago. But that, to your point, probably 10 or 15 years from now, you could have with Kirby Smart and that maybe he'll let you sneak in and, you know, sneak a peek at some things that, that he wouldn't allow you to have. I'm going to actually go 1A and 1B in two totally different directions. So, you know, get mad if you want to. But, hey, I get to close this out. So that way I get to have some fun with it. But number one, I would actually go away from football. And keeping it local, I go basketball. I would love to go and see what's going on with Damon Stoudemire because Damon Stoudemire has played NBA ball. And I'd love to see what is going on with him kind of crafting things to reset that that hallowed Georgia Tech basketball program. That to me would be so cool to check out. And also, I would love to check out like Okay, Morehouse. Sorry, Maria. I'm gonna offend somebody too because I'm not gonna say Morehouse, even though they're you know they're local. But I would love to see like 
a Jackson State, right? Because I'm like obsessed with their entire program. And so I would love to kind of see not just the football, but the makings of like an HBCU college football game day. So not, and so Maria and I, you know, we're former dancers. So I would love to kind of see what does it look like for the J sets to get ready? And what does it look like for the Sonic Boom to prepare? And how does that kind of go into how they prepare for their football game? So yeah, I would kind of take those two angles different Oh, wait, can I tell you guys one for free? Yeah. And if I really got like what I wanted for Christmas, I would love to see like a different team every week. Wouldn't that be cool too? Like if we could see the inner workings of a different team every week and kind of pick some of those teams that may be obscure, but maybe their coach is like legendary for saying cray cray stuff like that Minnesota coach who's uh, like, uh, was it PJ Fleck? Like, yeah, something like that. Just give me a week. I don't need two weeks of hyper PJ Fleck. But give me a week of PJ Fleck and give me a week of a different coach and we'll be good. One more thing before we wrap up, because Maria is our resident holiday happy person. And so (laughs) I asked her off camera, Maria, decorations, gifts, are you ready? And she's like, Maria's ready. It's the other two people on this show that are wanting. Look. I put up my Christmas trees really early this year because I had my mom in town. And so I utilized my resources to put them up. Um, But I will say, yes, I'm ready for Christmas in the sense that my decorations are up. Y'all have not bought a single present, though. Uh Uh-oh. It's like really bad. I'm with you. What day is it? Yeah, but you have kids. Like, you need to get on it. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, oh, oh. The wife is taking care of the the kids already. Like, we're we're good on that. Yeah, we had to plan their gift this year. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you need to go yeah. get your wife. Your Still friends. figuring it out, you know. You got two friends here. Use your we friends. speak as we speak. Yes, yes. <laughs> we'll help you. We'll help you. Yeah, I gotta get on the presents, guys. I, right. I'm behind. Exactly. I need all the help I can get. Right, you got a wife and Maria, so she can tell you from the wife's perspective. And you got your 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 wife, Jarvis. You got her your her sister cousin right here. So somewhere between the two of us, we should be able to help you out. But hey, hey I win because I've got gifts purchased already. Oh, oh wow! Goodness gracious! Oh, Good for you. Yeah. On oh, that God. note, guys, we cannot wait to come back next week and hopefully talk about some wins that are going to be stacked all around, whether it's Braves stacking wins with their roster, it's the Hawks getting on the other side of that second quarter of their season, or it's the Falcons putting more distance between them and the rest of the NFC South. Thank you guys so much for stopping by the Atlanta Sports Party. And don't forget to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. We will see you on the Falcons postcast Sunday.